Uh, welcome once again, everybody, to another edition of After Further Review with John Pelkey and Mark Ferreira. I put myself first for today's show, Mark. Uh, apologies. I just just felt like I needed top billing today. Jeff Taylor, of course, on the board as our We can producer. talk about that if you want, John. If that's, a, if that's an issue going nope. forward, we can talk about it, you know, because I think John Lennon, you know, uh, sort of uh, was willing to cede some of that to Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney actually wants yesterday to be called McCartney and Lennon. That's like the one song he wants to have switched with the billing. billing. Wow. So I, I have no problem. Hold on to that, huh? He, I don't understand, you know. Yeah, he is, unfortunately, you know. But, man, again, it never changes, no matter what level you're on. Doesn't matter. And, human, and the human nature does not evolve, Johnny. And the ultimate pettiness of a performer is just, I mean, it's in the DNA. It, it really is. If you're a performer and you do that for most of your life, you're probably a relatively miserable human being. <laughs> good not point. really, but you're at least very petty. You're at least very petty. Oh, sure. Yeah, I fully admit it. I fully admit I want this to be after further review with John Pelkey and Mark Ferreira. That's really what I'm, I'm Hannity, angling. Hannity and Combs. But that's <laughs> Hannity and Combs. That poor guy. That Rest used to be such a Cole. joke. Um, uh, anyway, uh, wherever you're listening to us, whether you're watching us live on YouTube or listening to us on the podcast, great to be with you here on a Monday. Derek Abbott is going to join us today. And I thought he had the best post uh, prior to the show, Mark. I don't know if you saw his post. I did. I saw about it. Uh, it is his greatest desire because we're going to talk about Seattle and Kansas City and the NFL today. We're going to break down uh, a little bit about those teams with uh, the knowledgeable Derek Abbott, assistant coach at the Coast Guard Academy and former college football quarterback. Um, but he said it was his greatest desire to make this a pro Russell Wilson podcast, Mark, because of your your distaste for Russell Wilson. And by Again. distaste, I mean your desire to marry Russell Wilson and move to an island and live with him. That's exactly right. I really love. You have a man crush on, and you have for a long time. And it's really difficult for you because it's like he were a Dodger. You know, because it's exactly like that. It's like what what I felt about Fernando Valenzuela at the time. It's like, how do you not love this guy? How do you not appreciate everything he brings to the game? How do you not, you know, it's it's incredibly frustrating because they could have a, you know, Niners could be up by 35 with seven minutes left. And, most people are not counting the Seahawks out yet because Russell Wilson is an well, absolute magician on the, on the football field. Now, in terms of the fans, yeah, you don't care for them. I would say, Mark, if you're up 35 in the in the second half, the unwritten NFL rule should be just stop trying. Yeah, apparently in baseball, <laughs> be. Yeah. in baseball, the unwritten rule is seven runs, seven runs, and don't swing at a pitch right down the middle with the bases loaded. Don't do it. It is not. Kosher. Okay, we're all on the same page with that, right? That Fernando Tatis not only should have hit the home run, but then he should have taken the bat and beaten whoever gave him the sign not to swing away. We're all we're all in agreement. Yes. Now hey, I gotta yes. tell you, there's Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, it looks like they're giving him the take sign three and zero oh, with bases loaded. Oh, Tatis tattoos it, and I hope he goes into the dugout and just wipes out a couple of the morons who told him to take the pitch. God. I know it's. I would agree. I mean, Vin, Vin, Vin seems to really just want carnage, violence, and carnage. It seems to be his guiding. If I were Tatis, I'd find a shovel and I'd beat him to death with it, then dig the hole to bury him in. He really is a terrible person. <laughs> I mean, it really just gets darker and darker. It really does. And he, you know, has well, no not, problem. 
I, I think the problem I think the problem is for Ben in, in this situation is he's, he's he's just he's not working anymore. He's got a lot of free time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just you know when he when he was when he was consumed with doing Dodger games, then uh, that was something. But now he doesn't have that. Joe Conley thanking me for the John Lovitz impersonation. All right, all right. Good lord. I know it's sounding a lot more Lovitzy than it is uh, Vin Scully, but you know it's it's Chevy Chase's Gerald Ford. It didn't really sound like Gerald Ford. It's a it's an well, there, there was nothing close. No, he to didn't Gerald even try. Ford. He didn't even try. All he did was trip. Yeah, he did, and uh, he was great at physical comedy. I would be willing to do that if it if it played into evil Vin Scully, but it does not because your your evil Vin gets carried comedy. everywhere on a velvet chair. But but do you prisoners. think, John, that in the end, Vin Scully is just saying what he always felt and Probably. what he, and and what a majority of Americans feel? Don't you think of the majority of Americans are going what? Talk about a fake controversy. Well, if, hitting a grand slam somehow requires an apology. And baseball I mean, is generally no, the luckiest no. sport. We've talked about you know baseball being lucky with uh, you know after they canceled the World Series, then all of a sudden a couple of years later you've got McGuire and Sosa. All of and a sudden, it, all with, of a sudden, yeah, no, with no variables, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but boy, talk about being your own worst enemy. You know, it's a sport where you have done everything you could except. Uh, and you've done it this year, the, the uh, designated hitter into the National League, just so more runs would be scored, because all people want to see is runs scored. They live for that. Um, and you have an unwritten rule that uh, you're up seven. Well, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's the National League. Maybe we need to start looking at ourselves, John, and blaming the National League. If that would have happened in the American League, if that was Mike Trout, we wouldn't hurt anything. We would have just continued to hear, see, offense. People love offense. Might be true. You know, and, and maybe the junior league uh, kind of can shuck some of those old unwritten rules a little easier than the senior circuit. Possibly. Maybe, you know, maybe we maybe we take a look at at our own proclivities, I, ideologies. Ironically, ironically, who's to blame here is Major League Baseball, because much like the McGuire Sosa years, Titleist is making the baseballs again. So they're flying. <laughs> so Tatis could have taken that pitch and it could have still gone over the fence. He could have bunted could have and it would have gone. Yeah. Uh, gone could have over. bounced off Good the stuff. catcher's mitt and gone over the fence. See, now if I remember the San Diego Padres, there would not be a single point in time where I uh, paid attention to any coach's uh, signal for the rest of the season. Yeah. I would be not only, not only would I have had him swinging away, I would have had all of the runners uh, leading off stealing. I would have everything. I would do everything I possibly could to score as many runs as possible. Because isn't that when what Dick, people want? Yeah. When Dick Williams was the manager there in 1984, when they upset the Cubs and they got to the World Series, even though they, uh, you know, got summarily dismissed by the Detroit Tigers. But that was another typical Dick Williams turning around a bad team year. Yeah. And, you know, Dick Williams would have had them running, would have had them running into the catcher. Regardless, even if it was a home run, did they you would see barrel over the catcher? Brian Snitker, yeah, would have no problem with that. There's a controversy the, now. Yeah, Brian Snitker uh, basically said, uh, "Can we do away with this ridiculousness and let him start running the catchers over again?" Yes, Brian Snitker, we can. Yeah, they were playing the Phillies last night, and uh, there was a play at home, and because of the fact that you can't bury the catcher anymore, the guy was just out. It was boring. Yep. The game ended instead of being tied. And, uh, you know, and humanity's the fans, worst off for it. Fans lose. I, boy, it's it's just it, it. You know, it's amazing when you make sure you don't have full contact baseball in there. 
Well, apparently you don't want any contact. Don't make game contact on a 3-0 pitch. Don't make contact with the... Come on. Oh, Buster Posey might get hurt again. We can't let that <laughs> See, happen. You know. Where up just, by it four. Just makes no Let's not by, be mean. By, by the way. Don't be mean. By the way, it would have been JT Real Muto getting taken out at the plate. And if he would have been hurt, he probably would have fussed just like Buster did. It's Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I'd like to hear the audio of uh, actually have the audio. Don't we have a uh, Buster fussing to the commissioner at the time, which was Bud Selig? Do we have that audio? Uh, we do. Let's see if we a couple of days it. later when he's out of the hospital after, you know, almost dying like Alex Smith. Owie. It was Owie because he run in. Uh, but, me, me not like but, <laughs> Buster. I'm sorry. What do you what do you mean? Mean not I, like. I, me not you like, went to Florida State. I, you were, I'm, I'm sure you're educated, right? Me, me not like Hitty. Just uh, instead, Taggy, just Taggy, no Hitty. Eh, I'm face of baseball. Movie eh. out of the way. Move, make me movie out of the can, way. Can you at least address the commissioner in complete sentences? No, Buster? me no use articles. Posey eh. not need articles. <laughs> of course, of course, it descends into third third part. person. Yeah, that's always oh it. Gosh. Ultimately, gets to third person. Anyway, I'm just glad everybody, pretty much everyone I've talked to, and even people that I consider kind of more old school baseball. Guys yeah. are like, you know, I think the, the largest deficit the team ever came back from, I sent you this text, Mark, it was 14 runs, and it was, uh, I think the Boston Red Sox came back from 14 runs. It was a long time ago. A couple teams have gotten, come back from 3, 12. So, I mean, I don't think there should be a number, but seven runs, I mean, we've seen seven-run innings. Oh, yeah. We've had those situations, and and particularly in a year like this where, pe- where uh, you know, we, we, we've already – we've seen pitchers who really aren't up to speed. This would be – I don't know. We would be, what, in the, in the, towards the end of May, maybe? It, not even that far along with the season if, if, if we were you – know, About a third. For a- You're right. A little, a little more than a third, I think, at this point, right? It's a little past 20 games. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I think – no, I'm just saying in terms of how many how many actual games have been played. Exactly. Are we, are we 20 games? We're like 30 no, games again, right? Yeah, close to 30. So we're almost halfway done. We're almost at the All-Star break. Right, with this season. But I'm just saying these pitchers haven't had as much uh, live action as they would. You know, it would be like a regular season starting in April, and it would be sometime in like early May yeah. where guys maybe haven't hit their stride yet. So my point being that pitchers – you know, everybody's kind of progressed on a different level this year because of the situation. So seven runs to me, the fact that you would, if it were 15, and I mean, I'd, like I said, I don't have a number, but it's just the most ridiculous thing. Now, if his, if his manager has an issue because he ignored uh, a sign, that's another thing altogether. Um, but the idea that, oh, we, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to show him up. Oh, come on. Yeah. Silly. It's, it's not good for baseball. I want to say it right now. It's not good for baseball. I know it's a 19th century pastoral sport, but but you do want to win the games, particularly in a 60 game season. You really do. You really do. Yeah, and you know what's you know what also is not good for baseball? Football talk. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And I, I, I think we're going to commence with some of that football talk right now. All right. Uh, I'm going to cede uh, all of this to Derek Abbott as he attempts to uh, convince you that Russell Wilson isn't a third-tier quarterback. Uh, we actually discussed this earlier. You may not know this, Derek. Uh, Mark and Russell Wilson will be vacationing together in Bimini after the season because he is uh, his favorite uh, person, if you don't I, know. 
I am I am a huge Russell Wilson fan, Derek. You I really am. I've 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 appreciated him from the get. I've been so upset that the he's not a 49er from the get. And uh he's incredibly frustrating to watch when you think you've got the game in hand. But you look at Russell Wilson, and to me, it's to me it, you know, we're gonna talk about the two best quarterbacks in the National Football League, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Do you agree with that assessment? They're that they're one and two right now, Derek? I would. I absolutely would. The two things that they have in common that they do extremely well is, is the second reaction plays, plays that are out of structure. Um, the, the the stuff that, you know, you just can't make up that it almost seems like it's in a video game. Um, and plus, you know, they're both Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Um, Russell Wilson, I will say, should have had two. Um, but the both of them, I, I would say, are one A and one B. I think Russell carries his team a little bit more than Patrick Mahomes does. Yeah, but we can kind of get into that as we go along. Here. And oh, I think it's—I got, I got to point out first with the whole baseball thing. Yeah, nobody's shown any mercy towards the Pittsburgh Pirates in the last 25 years. They get beat every game 14 nothing, and if it's really that bad, throw a better pitch. Right. No, right. You I mean, you want to talk about sportsmanship? Heck, my dad put the offensive lineman in when we were up 30 in Pop Warner games. You would talk about bad sportsmanship. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing here? Yeah. Well, that's from years of his being a Pittsburgh Pirate fan and seeing oh, yeah. what, what happened, what happens to them. I just wonder if they would ever go to a pitcher who's coming in in the ninth, the closer, and you're up like 12 runs and go, listen, just batting practice for a while. Don't show them up. Just throw batting practice pitches. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'd go over very well. Uh, Derek Abbott, assistant coach at the Coast Guard Academy, joining us, former college football quarterback, as we're talking about Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. And I think one of the interesting things about both of those guys, and I think it's very, very helpful for them, and it goes back to something many athletes have told Mark and I about playing a lot of different sports. They're also very, very good baseball players. And they bring, I think, Derek, we've talked about this before, that baseball mentality of that it's never over, Mm -hmm. that you, you know, everybody gets their ups and realizing that you may not win the game. But if you put together some uh, some great drives at the end of the game, if you finish well, that can carry over. I, I think that's a big reason that these guys have been as successful as they have. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that, too, the, the baseball part of it, too, is you're seeing younger guys, too, that are multi-sport athletes, um, just like Wilson and Mahomes, that they're able to make some of the throws that, um, you know, other guys are not able to make just because of their baseball background, making the off-balance throws. And I mean, you look at some of these throws that Mahomes and Wilson make on the run or just, you know, you can't even fathom how, to, how, to, how they even accomplish some of these things. So, um, I, you know, um, as a football coach and now working in the field, I tell younger guys, I'm like, man, play as many sports as you possibly can. Cause all the guys right now that are, are doing all these crazy things, they're playing multiple sports, right. uh, baseball being a, one of them for, for quarterbacks too. I, I was a multi-sport guy, um, was obviously better in football than I was baseball. Um, but it, it definitely helped me. It, it helps with arm angles, you know, being a shorter quarterback, you got to be able to sometimes throw around people instead of over them. So some of the sidearm stuff that you see, and that's a lot of that where that comes from. So, Derek, let me ask you, as a coach, though, where do you draw the line in terms of coaching and in terms of encouraging uh, talented players to be a little bit more traditional in their footwork, in the way they, they throw the ball, everything else? I'm, I would assume that if there are mediocre to good players, 
that are trying to emulate Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes that as a coach, you probably want to steer them to more a traditional way. But I don't know what that line is. I don't know how you judge it, what your criteria is for that. Well, I think a lot of the times, too, like in the way that you train guys, that you, you try and train things that you can't really prepare for in a, in a day-to-day basis. Sure, you want to do all the footwork drills, all the basic mechanics and everything, but there's also drills that you want to practice um, and, and things that you want to work on that are a little bit out of structure. Maybe you have to work on a sidearm, uh, a ball that might be a drag route um, that you need to get. You can't get it over someone. You got to throw it sidearm and get it around alignment or some of the screen passes that you see in the league or trying to make, you know, turning your body and throwing these different angles and, and different types of throws. And you're seeing that from a younger age group too. You know, football being almost a year-round sport with spring and seven-on-sevens and everything else. That guys are now able to kind of grow into that. But when you're coaching, I mean, obviously you got to tell a kid, hey, you know, you're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not. <laughs> we can work on these things, but that doesn't mean you can just go out there and do it. You know, though, you look at some of the drills that those guys do. I Russell Wilson posts stuff all the time on his on his social media pages of him scrambling right and throwing over a goalpost on an off angle. Like these things don't just happen. You know, they they practice these things. Right. And I think that the guys like that, too, and kids should understand that they're well schooled in their uh, the traditional mechanics as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys have gone through this because I, I assume both of those guys, when they showed up for uh, boys club football or little league football, whatever you want to call it, and wanted to play quarterback, there was probably some coach somewhere trying to teach him to be Dan Marino. Um, so they have gone through probably coaching throughout their career to that traditional stuff. I, well, I just let me ask you this, Derek, because this thing that's most amazing to me, because you talked about guys being uh, off script, off schedule, whatever you want to call it, and that those guys are so good at that sort of thing. As a defensive coordinator, put that hat on for a minute. I think, you know, it's a bend, don't break thing with either of these guys because they're going to make plays just because they, they can do so many things off script. But what what is the best way to defend them or at least to try? Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, you know, the best way to do it is try to get interior pass rushers, um, n- not the, really the edge guys, because the edge guys, you know, they're going to come up field. Those guys are able to step up and out and scramble out of the pocket and everything. But if you're able to get a rush, that's the hardest way. That's the hardest uh, escape route for a quarterback because when you get that brush that's just right up in your face – you got to either find a way to go right or left or spin. That's usually how, you know, I mean, Tom Brady is not the, uh, the epitome of, of a mobile quarterback, but when, when, when that's how teams beat them is rushing only four guys, being able to get there and getting an interior rush um, to, to limit those second reaction plays. And then on the back end, I mean, it's so hard for, for teams to play man coverage too, because your corners are now essentially covering for seven seconds especially like in man in zone, those guys are trying to find guys that are coming in and out of the zone and, and, and teams do practice this where they have drills like green Bay was always really, really good at this, where they have a, you know, a, basically a jailbreak, a secondary play after Rogers would break the pocket where you get one guy that goes deep, one guy that comes back to the ball, one guy that stays short teams practice these things. So defenses also have to counteract that as well. Man, that's tough. It is really, it is really a nightmare to try and defend it. And you know, the the Forty ers in the Super Bowl, a very good interior rush led by DeForest Buckner, and had him, 
you know, had him where they wanted him halfway through the fourth quarter. And, and then, of course, the back end just couldn't stay. You know, once Patrick Mahomes got loose, they couldn't stay with him for, you know, Tyreek Hill for seven seconds. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so let's talk about – let's first talk about the, the Seahawks and, and Russell Wilson. Do you think they've done enough to significantly improve them their offense with their running game, their offensive line, their wide receivers – to give him a little bit more help because it really did seem like he was carrying the entire offense throughout the course of last year. Well, well, their offense, it, the biggest question mark for them is going to be the offensive line again, um, whether they're able to run the ball. Cause you know, they, they are a, still a ground and pound team. It's a, it's like a Pete Carroll staple. He wants to be able to run the football and then, you know, kind of let Russ, Russ cook after that. Um, which I'm, I'm like, let, let, let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson. <laughs> Stop putting him in the, in this, in this container, if you will. Um, but I, you know, with, with the addition of Philip Dorsett, uh, DK Metcalf showed a lot of strides. He actually surprised me. Yeah, I thought that maybe he would have been like a one trick pony kind of guy coming into the league last year. And then Tyler Lockett, uh, continuing to grow and, and Pete Carroll actually just recently raved about Philip Dorsett's speed. Um, the one thing that it's been lingered out there for a while is the possibility of them bringing in Antonio Brown. Um, that is, a, it's a great culture fit. Um, they, they have, they've had guys in the past that have been a little bit outspoken to say the least. You have a veteran leader quarterback that has won a Super Bowl, um, And he's shown on Instagram and stuff that he's worked with Russell Wilson in the off season as well. So, Maybe something um, can pop there. I don't know. Uh, the Josh, the Josh Gordon thing. I, he's not the same player that he was in 2014. I mean, they're night and day. He just doesn't have his legs anymore like he did before. But I, you know, I think offensively, you know, they're they're so interesting because if you look in the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson era, when they're leading at halftime, they're 57 and 0. That's incredible. Wow. Um, and, and like I said, oh. everything. And oh. that's, that's amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Golly. So, that, I mean, that's a great statistic. Yeah, absolutely. So I could see, you know, their offense, you know, taking, taking the next step uh, with, with Schottenheimer calling plays. It seems like that seems to be a pretty good fit. Um, a lot of their concepts work well with, with what they, with what their personnel is a lot of, um, you know, run concepts, not run concepts, but run route concepts where guys are dragging across the field, running dig routes, creating picks, um, opportunities to create a lot of yards after catch. Johnny, if I could step in real quick, I want to ask you too about Jamal Adams. Do you think Mm -hmm. that's going to work? Do you think there's any sort of uh, bad blood with him in terms of just a locker room presence or do you think he just is going to be <laughs> this all-pro safety that's going to be the next, you know, Earl Thomas in his prime or whatever? Well, I think he fits their scheme very, very well for what they want to do. So the way you got to look at it is that Jamal Adams is not a free safety like Earl Thomas is. He is not a guy that's going to put in the middle of the field and can run sideline to sideline. He is an in-the-box player. He can help out in the run game, create a second, maybe a, a blitz here and there. He great for run fits. He is essentially the newer version of their camp, what they had in Cam Chancellor. That's uh-huh. why they, I think that that's schematically why they fit him when Seattle would play their their classic cover three, where they have safety up top. They roll a safety like Cam Chancellor down in the box. Essentially, he's like a hybrid player 
Um, so on the Super Bowl, they actually have like uh, a couple different rotations where it'll, it'll be weak or strong, and then they'll either slide him um, into a linebacker spot technically, and then the linebacker will bump out and play the flat, or he'll play the flat himself. Um, actually, I had the calls here. Uh, so like the Rita and Lisa call would be an inside rotation and then a Roger or Lou call would be the outside rotation for those guys. So they either play a cover three um, buzz, which is when he comes inside and then the cover three sky when he comes and, and plays the flat. All right. Well, before we move on to Kansas City, then and Joe Connolly has uh, jumped in with a, a couple of questions about this. The over under on Seattle is nine going into this season. Uh with the caveat that we're not 100% sure how many games are going to be played. Is that, is that a fair number for you, Derek? Because we, we talked about it. As good as Russell Wilson is, they have had some injuries. That offensive line really does have to, is going to have to play better if they're going to have more success. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, and that division is just loaded. So nine, a fair number. Would you take the over or the under? I'll take the over. Okay. Um, they're actually my Super Bowl pick, uh, personally. Um, I, I think that they'll at least get to the Super Bowl and, and the team that we talk about next might might meet them there as well. Um, I, I just think that they're such a solid team. And, and like you said, you never can really cut or uh, count Russell Wilson out in any of their games. I mean, it, it, their offense, you know, we, we talked about maybe they've been a little bit sluggish um, at times. You know, they were ninth in total points and eight in total yards last year. So. And, and they can only improve with, with, with the signing, like I said, of Philip Dorsett. Not to mention, they also did sign Greg Olson. So whether you're going to get a healthy Greg Olson and how, how maybe he can help in, in the run game and, and some of the other tight ends as well, um, if that doesn't pan out, they can always go back and go get uh, Hollister that they had last year. How old is Greg Olson, uh, John? 52, day before yesterday. <laughs> so we send out uh, birthday greetings to the whole Olson family, Nellie, Lars, everyone. <laughs> All right, so you like them to go to the Super Bowl, possibly win the Super Bowl, improve defense. Clearly, mm-hmm. they've got their Cam Chancellor back in your mind uh, and an improved offense with some very speedy weapons. I do like DJ Metcalf as well a lot. I thought he had a nice year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say they meet the Kansas City Chiefs. What are going to be – let's start with this question. What are, what are going to be the most challenging matchup problems for Seattle? Because that's what I'm interested in right now. I'm interested <laughs> yeah. in their not matching up well with Kansas City. Uh, the guy pulling the trigger for one, and uh, their Dude. track team that they have on the uh, on the perimeter, they're running routes. I mean, you look at some of the offensive weapons. I mean, they are a track team, and they are dangerous. You, you take the West Coast offense and you, you put it on steroids. That's what a lot of this is. I mean, it's a lot of. Four verticals concepts, four by one stuff where it's three receivers to one side, one receiver to another, and then the back is to the three receiver side. And they just flood the zone and put so much pressure on 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 one side of the field. And, and with that, all that speed, it, it's hard to catch. It's hard to catch up to, especially. I mean, you saw it in the Super Bowl in the third and fifteen play. Well, yeah. let me just jump in here because one of the things, and I think Kansas City is a great team, and I love Patrick Mahomes and that, but, I mean, there were so many games at, in the playoffs where they, uh, they're coming from behind, and I mean well behind. And that's a lot to ask two seasons in a row from everybody. So I think what I'm going to look for this year is do they allow – is that going to be their script this year as well, the comeback, because I think that's very, very difficult. But I want to ask you this, Derek, because – 
This is a, will be a season like no other, simply because of what's been going on, the truncated practices, no preseason, which just uh, is devastating for free agent signees, free agent rookies particularly. But um, one of the things that has helped, seems to have happened to Super Bowl champions in the past is their, their postseason becomes a lengthened thing. They have their oh. social obligations for that. You know, it, it just guys talk about the fact that it, it's such an exciting run. And the next thing you know, it's late June and you're back in training camp and might just not be mentally ready for it. People haven't done anything for a long time. I mean, they had uh-huh. a break. Do you think that could benefit them in some way? Uh, I don't know if that specifically benefits them. I think it benefits them with the continuity that they have within that team and the amount of people that are returning um, before the before all the opt outs. I believe they were returning 20, 20 out of the twenty two starters um, on both sides of the ball. So obviously, you know they they know each other well. They did have two um, opt outs. The um, both of their starting guards. Um, one was the, the, the nurse that decided he was going to opt out and go, go work on, on COVID. And the other one, um, just, just opted out just for the, uh, for that, for obviously the virus and everything else. And then Damian Williams, a running back also opted out. However, they do, that's probably their interior line will be the biggest question. Um, and like I said, you know, with those guys that are mobile, the best way to, to get pressure on them and cause issues is to get that interior rush, um, so that's probably their biggest question um, on the entire team, which is not a bad issue to have when you have all those guys returning. Plus the the running back that they just drafted, Clyde Edwards uh, Hilaire, um, out of LSU in the first round, I thought was one of the one of the better picks. Um, being a Steelers fan, I would have loved to see him go to the Steelers or uh, or J.K. Dobbins, but that's a different discussion. Um, <laughs> But but Hilaire grew um, a lot of comps to Brian Westbrook, which uh, Andy Reid had in Philadelphia. So just another offensive weapon that they can use in the past game. You know, we talked about flooding that zone. Well, now, you know, you have a running back that can run routes out of the backfield the way that he can. That really puts stress on linebackers. And then, you know, you want to bring in a lighter lighter personnel group on defense. Now you can run the ball inside and, and do a lot of couple different things. I mean, they're just they, – they, hide their personnel with formations. And, and you wonder, to John's point, uh, with, with, these, with these comebacks that were needed, they were down 24 nothing Because on paper, let's face it, on mm-hmm. paper, they look like they just can't be beat offensively. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, you look at down to Houston, 24 points. Down to um, Tennessee, I think, 14 points. Down to San Francisco, late, well, mid-fourth quarter, 10 points. Do you think... Is there any legitimacy to this idea that in the playoffs, Andy Reid gets a little tight? The evidence in my book is there that it just took a once in two generation talent to beat that back because not many other quarterbacks could come back from 24 nothing. And I think, weren't they ahead by halftime? It was a yeah. ridiculous comeback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to your to your point, Derek, and then also to John's point, these matchups are very, very difficult for defenses. So obviously they can come back because they have so much going for them. But what do you think there's any legitimacy to the idea that Andy is a is a little gets a little tight in the postseason and, and maybe this broke the curse, if you will? No, not at all. I mean you don't buy any been- of that. No, Andy Reid's been doing this for a long time. I don't think he gets tight. I mean, you saw him talk about eating a cheeseburger after the game. I don't think he gets tight. 
Um, and he knows, right. I mean, there's such a quick strike, quick strike offense that they know that, I mean, it, it's kind of like almost like watching golden state basketball that they will and not used this year, but it <laughs> used to be, yeah. but, but I mean, man, when they catch fire, look out. I mean, and that's, that's pretty demoralizing for a team that's like Tennessee or Houston. That's going, Oh my gosh, here we go. Here comes this avalanche of points of Mahomes throwing these deep post corner outs. They throw from one twenty to the opposite 20. And it's like, how do we even stop this? I, they get demoralized, John. I think, I think they just start getting demoralized. Yeah. I, I, I will say that Andy Reed from uh, the one criticism that I've read quite a bit and I haven't done the research because me, um, but uh, is uh, he does and and often coaches do this. He gets a little conservative offensively in the playoffs at times because I think that I think there is just this thing in the back of your mind that it, you just you don't want to do anything to hurt yourself, particularly early in a playoff game. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would say uh, I would take Andy Reid to coach to coach a playoff game, but I think if, if anything, that's the one thing that I've read is that. Uh, and, and seen is that he might get a little conservative. And I think uh, to Mark's point, when you have a once in two generation talent, that may snap you out of that a little bit. You, you may you may not be thinking uh-huh. in those terms because it's different than having a talented quarterback like a Donovan McNabb, who is a very talented quarterback uh, in, in many ways. And a Patrick Mahomes, which to your point, Derek, and the ones that we make over and over again, he he just doesn't give you one additional option on a play. He gives you about three additional options on a play. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh to Mark, I'm just gonna I'm gonna back you up a little bit and say that I think that Andy Reid is really, really freaking smart. And uh what got him through was he turned around and he went, I, I have this guy, so why don't we do this and instead? I just I, I'm just fascinated though by the fact that they can get behind so far. And I just mm-hmm. I just what I've I've never been. I only played high school football. I've never been on a team that was down twenty four points. I was on a team that was down four points and we stopped. I mean, it was like three and zero. Don't swing anymore. We're we're down four. We're never coming back. The 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 mindset, Derek, as an athlete, to not allow yourself to give in to the fact that you, you've now created for yourself this remarkable uphill struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know the question I'm trying to ask. I just want to ask as an athlete, how, 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 how can they do that that many times? Just, just how, just it's how. just how, how do they do uh, it again and again and again? All, it almost looked last year. We joked about it, Mark. We went, all right, well, we'll tune in in a second to see how far down Kansas city is going to come back from. What is uh-huh. that in, 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 an ath- in, in a group of athletes that can, a, allow that to happen initially and then claw, claw their way back in, or in their case, they didn't claw their way back in. They're like a jet plane coming back in. Well, I think it starts with the kind of culture that you set in, in your group and in your team. And obviously it helps, you know, having a guy with that, that's pulling the trigger that with the generational talent and everything else. And you have a, a great play caller and Andy Reid and also Eric B and, and Spagnola too. You have a great set of coaches, but as an athlete, you know, it, it's really just a, a belief and you kind of almost live for those moments. You kind of almost want to see, you know, 
I wonder how we can come back. This is and when you gain that trust with your teammates and you trust the guy next to you. And that's something that is developed, not, you know, right then and there. That's something that's developed in, in, in summer workouts and winter workouts and OTAs and spring ball and, and all those different situations where you're put in adversity and you need to overcome those things. That's where that comes from. So the closeness and the togetherness of that team and the leadership of, you know, Tyron Matthew and Patrick Mahomes and, and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey Hill, you got all these, you know, a type personalities in a room together that aren't going to lay down. That's like the same belief that you get in Seattle too, with Russell Wilson. Cause you see like Russell Wilson on them bites, uh, the sound bites, you know, he's going to his guys. Hey, we're good. We're good. Don't worry about this. It's never a negative energy. It's never a negative vibe around him at all. And, and with both of those guys, you always have to have that belief that you're going to come back and win because everybody's looking at the quarterback first and foremost, how is the quarterback going to react? And that really just kind of believes on the entire team. It's still remarkable to me. Uh, it is. And it's, I, it's, it's, really, it's frustrating that they, you know, that they still want to have effort when they're down. Yeah, no, Mark, Mark, like Mark's just, opposed to, if you get behind, just, just stop. It's over. Just get, well, if you're playing the 49ers, just roll over. Just, just let's move on to the next game. Well, Please. let me ask you then, uh, Derek, before, uh, before we let you go, uh, the over under on Kansas city is 11 and a half. That, that, that's a big number, really. That, that, mm-hmm. That's a pretty big number for an NFL team. Um, take the over or the under. Take the over. I think they're a 12 win team. Okay. Defensively. Have they improved in your mind? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that they kind of stayed uh, the same. You know, re-signing Chris Jones really helped. Um, their base 3-4 team. You know, they, they played really, really well down the stretch. Ten interceptions last year. Um, only in between the leaks, uh, weeks 11 and 17, only a lot of 11.5 um, points per game. Uh, they also get Juwan Thornhill back, who, who was hurt last year uh, in the secondary. So that'll help. And then the continued development of, of uh, Willie Gay at linebacker too. So, like I said, I mean, there's just such a strong group um, all around that. I mean, it's it's hard to to imagine them not getting back getting back to the Super Bowl this year. What was the reason for the turnaround? Was it just adjustments to uh, some of the injuries that were happening at the first part of the season when they weren't performing well defensively to that pretty stellar run that you just quoted? What was the difference? Uh-huh. Well, I think that, you know, the team just kind of coming together and just gelling a little bit more, understanding and communicating. You know, Tyron Matthew was in his uh, – was that his first year in Kansas City, correct? I think so, I yeah. Think so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, especially on the back end and the communication with that, um, you know, getting on the same page that we talked about with other teams, um, trusting the guy next to you. And I think a lot of that, you know, teams grow as the year goes on. I mean, you saw that with Pittsburgh, too, that their defense really, really down the sh- – stretch played really well with the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick. So it could be just one guy that that's just the piece to uh to piece together the whole defense and they just start playing well. Yeah, it and it, it the idea that that would be your Super Bowl matchup to Kansas City and Seattle if you are just a football fan and you don't have a a dog in that hunt. I mean that's that's what you want to see. All right, then Derek, before we let you go, you're going to have to do this because this is what's going to happen to you for being on podcasts and television shows and your future and radios. Yeah. People are going to ask you to make your Super Bowl prediction months and months ahead of time with barely enough information <laughs> to make that. So here we go, Derek. It's August, and we don't even know if there'll be a season. Kansas City mm-hmm. and Seattle in the Super Bowl held in some sort of enormo dome somewhere to keep people out of COVID. Who wins that football game? Well, they're, they're going to play it here at uh, Cadet Memorial Field right at, right at the Academy. That's, that's what I heard. 
in front of 25 people. Um, <laughs> Zero, you know, 40 below windshield. Yeah, I know. I'm going to say uh, 34-27 Seattle. Ooh, man, you are on the Seattle bandwagon. I so, I, I, you know, I'm, short quarterbacks got to stay together. Yep, I hear you. Know? you. So I, I got to stay with my guy, Russ. I, I think that he's – it's amazing to me that he has not received one MVP vote. Dak Prescott, yes. Derek Carr. See, this is why this podcast needs to be even more pro-Russell Wilson. <laughs> we need to get him an MVP something. Fair enough. Wow. And, and, and his durability for a short mm-hmm. quarterback. I mean, he's just – it's unbelievable yep. uh, how, how durable he is as well. It's it's just great. And uh, evidently, Jamal Adams will be the key because Jamal Adams will just uh, – He'll mess up a lot. He'll mess up the guys coming out of the backfield. He'll just knock some people out at the top of their routes. So there's now only two track runners going, so the rest of Seattle can handle it. He's going to make the difference defensively. Uh, who knows? They might go out and re-sign Earl Thomas. He just got released from Baltimore. I saw that. I think the Niners I, I highly that doubt definitely. that there will be a reunion uh, between Pete Carroll and, and Earl Thomas after the, uh, the event in Arizona where he flicked the entire team off, but you never yeah. know. Earl strikes me as one of those guys who's never going to go back to a team he played for. You know, he, he, he might even give you good, but he's just one of those guys who he's not going to go back and play for, for a team. And uh, I, the rumor is Dallas and anything that can screw them up makes me happy. Uh, Derek, as always, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, I certainly hope you're right because uh, my Washington football team is certainly not going to be in the Super Bowl. Um, Mark's 49er team, uh, they, if I had to pick the 50% of teams that won't make the playoffs that didn't last year, I, I think the Niners are going to fall into that. So I, I will say I could pull for a Seattle, Kansas City. Sorry, Mark. It's just. Wow, you don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. You know, don't it's a 50% thing. It's a, well, now th- that all comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is if the guy under center can stay healthy for them, yep. then I think they will be a team that, that that's a team to reckon with. But Mark, Absolutely. I just, you know, I don't, I think it's a good pick to pick Seattle over Kansas city because teams don't repeat. That's very hard to do. And teams that lose the super bowl it's true. struggle. Although I'm thinking Miami dolphins, is what I'm thinking, Miami dolphins, early seventies, they lose the first, they win the next two. All right. Well, live in the now, uh, Derek, thanks so much. Always great have you on and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, given the chance in a couple of weeks uh, and break down a little bit more of this NFL season which uh, promises to be as unpredictable as any um, despite the fact that Seattle Kansas City I think a lot of people could get behind that as, as your choice. One. Derek Abbott one. assistant football coach at the Coast Guard Academy former Robert Morris quarterback thanks my friend we'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys appreciate it. Thanks Derek. Man that'd be a great Super Bowl that would be that would yeah, be. It would. I have to admit it would, be, it would be a great, great Super Bowl. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, they, they do look loaded. They, they made some nice additions in the draft, and picking up Jamal Adams is a – it could be, you know, could be a literal game changer on that. So I, I do not look at that pick as out there on any level. I, I think it's a little bit of an ask that they beat the Chiefs, and it would further, you know, put salt into the wound if – the Seahawks beat the Chiefs and the 49ers well, didn't. But I, regardless, and I can't believe you don't even think the Niners are going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm know, just, I think they're going to win 10 games. I'm just going by that, you know, looking at we, we, and you and I do this every year for the NFL. We have that moment where we sit down and we, when we, we used to do shows at the ESPN club when we used to actually uh, work in entertainment and sports, right? Um, uh, which we never shall again. Right. Uh, 
And, it, and even outside of that, we've always said it, it's about a 50% turnover playoff teams every year in the NFL. Let's look at who's there, who we think will be there and who we think that won't be there. And quite often it's the, the Super Bowl loser is one of those teams. Well, that's what happened last year. The Rams didn't Rams, make it in yeah. there. And, uh, but uh, their, their Super Bowl losers have, have done better than I think the rap on them. Since the Nixon administration? <laughs> I think it's, I think, yes. I, I think maybe you're, you're trapped. Pre-Watergate, yes. 80s and 90s. Post-Watergate, I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't know. I, I think we need that. to do a little research on that and I come mean, back. The Bills, they kept going back and losing. So if that's what you're shooting for, you know, whatever. That's, I mean, that's something, I guess. Again, we, 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 we can look back on it. We can go back and we can look and we can see. The 49ers, as a matter of fact, uh, when they lost the last time against the Ravens, which was after the 2012 season, they came back and made it to the championship game. I, I can uh, I, in off Seattle the top of my and head, lost on the last play of the game. Off the top of my head, I can think of teams, two teams that definitely came back the next year and won the Super Bowl: Green Bay and Denver. They lost and then came back the next season and won. Am I wrong? They did. That's true. Yeah, they lost to Seattle actually, and, and came Denver back. and Denver lost to Green Bay and then won the next season. But they didn't win in the next season, though, oh, right? Because okay. did. Didn't I don't Seattle. think the Packers lost a Super Bowl and then came back the next year and won a Super Bowl uh, against uh, against New England. That didn't happen. No, no, they no. never lost it. No. They, oh, Green Bay beat New England. Beat New England, 96. and then they lost to Denver. Oh, okay, right, yeah. right, 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 right. That that's how that one worked. But they were there. They were there yeah. two, two times in a row, but they won the first one. That's that's what John's saying. Because after they lost, after they lost the second one, they did get back to the playoffs, though. In 1998, but we can go on and on about this if we want, or we can talk about football's uh, bubble or whatever you want to talk about, Johnny. Well, uh, we we have a progressive trivia, and we're we're late in the show, so we could kind of shoehorn that in if you like, or if you want to hold off till the next. You said you had a good one, and I don't know what it is, so I'd sort of like to guess. Um, so I Let's think do it. if why don't we do that, and then we'll jump into the NBA and the NHL playoffs a little bit because that's something I feel like we really have to talk about. Live sports happening. Yeah. I know. What what a concept. I love it, frankly. All right. Let's do it. Progressive trivia, Mark. Tell us what we're looking for. Looking for an NFL player, past or present. First set of clues coming up. First set is uh, 90 plus wins for this guy, 35 game winning drives. So you can tell the position. Led the league in touchdown percentage one year and pick sixes one year. Won a conference championship in college. And played with Terrell Owens and Lito Shepard. So those are your first four clues. 90-plus wins, 35 game-winning drives. Very solid stats. I've led the league in touchdown percentage one year and pick sixes a separate year. Won a conference championship in college. Played with Terrell Owens and Lito Shepard. Wow. That's uh... All right, you didn't say whether he was a... You didn't say whether or not he was a... Uh... An active player, did you? I did not. I did right. not. I'm gonna. I'm sending you a guest, uh, and then we're gonna talk about. Uh, and then we're gonna talk about the uh, the NBA and the NHL uh, playoffs. Let's start with the NBA, since they're just down the road a piece at uh, Disney's Wide World of Sports. I will say it's not Tony Romo, which is Derek's guess, and it's okay. not. Michael Vick, which is your guess? Ah, oh, damn! I thought Eagles. You know, I was thinking Eagles, and I, I didn't think he he overlapped with uh, 
T.O., but I wasn't sure. I thought Lito Shepard was there at the same time. So out of uh, Florida. Good guess. Good guess. I do what I can. I do what I can. Uh, all right. Let's talk about what's going on over there in uh, in the NBA. Uh, maybe as fun a game as we've seen in the playoffs for a long time yesterday. Uh, Clips and Mavs, Mark. Uh, and Luka Doncic. Doncic. I can't. I can never say Doncic. it right. Doncic. Doncic. Sorry. I always get that wrong. Um, first of all, you know, that's, that's an all timer of a shot to win that thing, but my goodness in watching, and I watched actually a good portion of this game. He is a much more difficult matchup than, than I, than I thought really given well, the limited amount of time that I could see him play. And he's been a little banged up as well. Yeah. And he has that vibe that Patrick Mahomes vibe that they're never out of the game. They were 20 now, 21 points. Isn't overwhelming in the NBA. But Dallas, in, in the playoffs, Dallas has never had that big a deficit to come back from. And they came back from that and won it at the very end in OT, which was uh, just terrific. You know, and, and Kawhi Leonard had a great t- game as well. Of course, as opposed to talking about Doncic and Kawhi and what a great series it is, it's tied at two. The West is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, of course, and this is my beef sometimes with you, John, is that everyone wants to talk about Paul George and his points. And what's wrong with Paul George? It's like, can't we celebrate what's great about that game? No, we can't. I know, I, I get that. What's you're, wrong with Paul George? You're not wrong, but I, but I do think uh, the Clippers are a team. You know, I said that I would really like to see the Clippers win it all just because, yeah. you know, they were such the – the, uh, no offense to redheads, but the redheaded stepchild uh, in, in Los Angeles for so long and the Donald Sterling thing, and they really were a bit of a joke. So I sort of pull for them. But, I mean, I think it is. I think it's um, uh, instructive to look at them and look at the way uh, their big stars don't seem to be gelling versus a team that actually we picked on early, but um, with the Lakers – uh, with LeBron and, and um, Anthony Davis, it, it seems like they are, for whatever reason, the, their, their stars are gelling better, and the Clippers are uh, just don't seem to be playing like a team. Well, it again, it, it's I know the they, NBA. Lost, they lost an overtime game on a on a, and, on and a the playoffs, shot. and they were right. up two one prior, and everyone was fine. Right. I mean, you, you know how that goes. Right. Uh, but yes, in in that game you're not playing as well as a team when you lose a 21-point lead and you're in total control of the game. And part of that is Paul George's performance because he wasn't shooting very well from the field at all. And Kawhi had to take a large share of the load. Uh, and and I just think that the teams in the West are very, very talented. If 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 LeBron James doesn't have 38 points and 12 rebounds – and Anthony Davis actually have a second half worth of Anthony Davis, they'd be down two to one in, in that series. So it's just a matter of stepping up and being mentally in the game. And I don't I don't have any doubt, John, that the Clippers are going to win this series. I don't. But really? it's a, it yeah, because I, I think the Clippers are a very talented, loaded team. I also don't have a huge lot of faith in Doc Rivers as a non- clam coach to tell you the truth right so but i do think they're going to get by the the mavericks and i agree with you that they didn't play at their you know anytime you lose a 21 point lead you're not you're not playing as a team but i think it's going to be i it what i get so amused with and i'm as guilty as anyone but it it's very much you know what have you done for me lately it is 
And Anthony Davis, thank goodness he had a good second half as opposed to a good first half because he had had a bad second half, then people would be slagging him as well. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with Anthony Davis? So it it's just tough. It's tough on everyone because they had four months off. Now they're in this strange environment. They live very oddly. They they go to they play their games. They go to practice and they go back to the hotel. There are you know uh, Derek's father Keith. I was talking to over the weekend. He did some technical work for video video work for the MLS. You know they had, they had gates. They had gates outside the hotels. You couldn't get to the boardwalk from the Swan. They right. just gated it up. You can't go anywhere except your hotel. So. Uh, Despite all that, teams are trying to have a sense of normalcy, and it's going to take some time. John, to your point about Major League Baseball pitchers, it's going to take some time to settle in and the best teams win, but this first series is when a lot of the good teams are vulnerable. Um, is, um, is there any team that you've seen up to this point that maybe you thought wouldn't stand a chance that you've now changed your mind on is there anybody is there anybody you've seen through this tournament to your point how people are navigating the tournament itself is is something very very new but is there anybody that you've seen at this point that you thought going into this would be an afterthought but that now you think can make some noise i didn't think the raptors would be an afterthought i think they have a good team this year and i i thought they'd compete but i didn't th- i didn't think they were this good i think the raptors are pretty scary they they Put 150 points down yesterday. 150. Yeah. There, and they swept the Nets. I know that I know it's the Nets, but <laughs> but they look they look pretty good, and I I think they're going to give Milwaukee a run. You don't believe the Magic are going? You don't think the Magic are going to? I don't know what the and... score is right now, and they're playing as we speak. Uh, as we speak, just to give everybody a night. at half, and it is 63-59 right now in the third period. 8.57 left in the third. Milwaukee's do, up by four? That's right. Should I do Should I do play-by-play throughout the, the rest of it? And there we are. Look at the magic. I won't do it. So, so the Boston Celtics as well, a team that coming into this looked really good, but then they got, got in the bubble, and they did not look very good. And they swept the Sixers. Granted, they didn't have Ben Simmons, but they swept the Sixers out, and they're looking good as yeah i would agree that was the team i was going to say that to your point you know we because i think jeff you'd even said before coming into this you thought they were a team to to, to watch but then they to to the point they didn't look like they were playing well but i would say because i really would not i I agree with you mark i with toronto uh i wouldn't have said i thought toronto was going to win at all but i did think they were a team that they were going to make a bit of a run i know as talented as they are but the celtics kind of surprised me a little bit in the east it's I think it's equally as interesting as the West, frankly, yeah, at this on point. Some, on at, some level. At this yeah. point. When when the East gets to the next round, it's going to be really fun to watch because I think that the teams that, that have come in to play these higher-seeded teams are are just not in the same league as them. So once we get to a place where teams are playing teams that are as good as them, I really think the East is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And you know what? Dallas is a team that is way overperforming what I thought they were going to perform. I'm not going to lie right. to you. For some reason on my ATT internet streaming TV, I get Dallas Mavericks commercials. And I kid you not, I said to my wife uh, about a week ago, 
is Dallas even in the running to make the playoffs? Is there, are they even in the bubble? And I think they will beat the Clippers. I think that, that Luka Doncic has gotten a fire in him. I think that, uh, Montre is it Montrez Harrell that, uh, that, that fired him up and now he's got a chip on his shoulder. And that's a team that I think we are going to have to watch out for. And Doc he Rivers, did look like Doc Rivers he, has won an NBA championship, by the way. Yeah, he, but he has well, uh, three Luka Hall of Famers. Luca looked like he was a step faster than everybody yeah. in that game at points yesterday. It was just one of those. And, it reminded me, we were talking about Russell Wilson and Pat, Patrick Mahomes. It reminded me of guys who can work off schedule, off off play, and still just cause all kinds of problems. And, I didn't know he was that quick. And, and, and also, by the way, it really says something to him that he hit that go-ahead game winner in overtime because that's what makes a star. There are a lot of guys that can play really, really well. But what puts you above to that next level is when you can hit that game-winning shot as a star. I mean, Robert Ori was the best at it, but he's not a star, really. <laughs> Big shot Bob. Yeah. 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 Somebody should sign him still. Just put him on the end of the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Just put him on the end of the bench, one, one screen for him. Let him hit, hit one of those threes that he would pull out of his you-know-what. <laughs> And All just, we need is 30 seconds, Bob. He could, yeah, Every he could game, be like, we just he need could, 30 seconds. He could be what used to be the lefty specialist in baseball. Now he's <laughs> right. just the, the game-winning shot specialist. Exactly. When he All used right. to be able to bring a, a guy in for a pitch. <laughs> uh, that is, it. by the way, not to jump back to baseball, but that's exposing a lot of bullpens. A lot of pitchers that used to be really good are not going to be able to function in this phase three batters scenario. It's going to change the face of a lot of bullpens. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think you're correct. Hey, Mark, let's do this. Let's go ahead and get our next set of clues in for our progressive. All right. Because uh, we're tr- we're trying, folks. We're, we're trying to make our show more succinct. And uh, we had a long and great discussion with uh, Derek Abbott. So we're going to try to get uh, our, all everything as much as we can into this show. Uh, we may have to bleed over into l- later episodes. But we've done our first set of clues looking for our NFL player, Mark. Let's move on. All right. It is not Big Ben either. We'll get the first set of clues. We'll revisit. Here they come. 90-plus wins. 35-game winning drives, which is very solid. 35-game winning drives. Next clue have led the league in touchdown percentage one year and pick sixes one year. Next clue uh, won a conference championship in college. And the last clue for the first four were played with Terrell Owens and Lito Shepard. Next set of clues coming up. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, thrown for 20-plus touchdowns nine times. It's highly impressive. Never won a Super Bowl. That's a big clue. Led the league in interceptions one year as well. So there you go. There you go. So he's uh, 90-plus wins, 35 game-winning drives, won a conference championship in college, played with Terrell Owens, Lito Shepard. Uh, one year led the league in touchdown percentage. One year led the league in pick sixes. Led the league in interceptions one year. 20-plus touchdowns nine different times. Three-time Pro Bowler. And I've forgotten the 10th clue. <laughs> it's well, not so up Led the, the league in but... interceptions. Uh, no, I got that one. Oh, it, wasn't the, it was the 10th overall. It wasn't the 10th in order. It was the one right before the F. What's the one right before the led the league? In interceptions. It doesn't matter. I've never won a Super Bowl thrown for 20-plus TDs nine times and a three-time pro bowler. Never won a Super Bowl. That's a good one. That eliminates a lot of of actors. 
Yep, sure does. All right. Uh, listen, I'm making an executive decision here because we are going to try to we're, we're, we're going to try to keep these shows a little less like a Merchant Ivory film. We're, so we're going to we're going to skip talking about the NHL playoffs. We're going to get to that in the next episode. Good. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll table that. There's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. And the, the, the beauty of having all these sports going on right now is that there's a lot to unpack. But there are a couple of things that we need to talk about that are um, that are at the fore right now. And uh, the first thing I'd like to touch on is all of the false positives that have happened over the last couple of days in the NFL. Same lab in New Jersey, I think 77. 77, right, have, 77. Um, hey, listen, I know this is a broken record stuff here, but if they can't get the testing right, they they cannot move forward because you can't start. They, they Teams stopped practicing. Coaches left the field because they thought they had these um, these positive tests. Um it, it, it's it's remarkable to me at this point that the NFL would be in this position because we've seen the bubbles both in Canada for the NHL playoffs and in the NBA have done a really, really terrific job. Better, frankly, than I thought they would be able to do. And their testing seems to be pretty quality testing. Um, it, I, 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 I just weigh in on this with me, Mark. It, Again, it, I don't share your dismay. Okay. It's part of the deal. We know that this is a work in progress everywhere, including labs and tests. To me, it's not about what happens. It's about how you react to what happens. They lost one day of practice. They were 77. You know, in their mind, they thought there was a serious breakout. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. They lost one day of practice and they realized and they got to the bottom of the, the testing issue with this lab. And they're all false positives and everyone's back to normal. So to me, that's the story more than the fact that there's an occasional rogue lab. And not when I say rogue, I don't mean they're <laughs> did it on purpose. I mean that there's just issues. Not every not everything is perfect. Not every football team is perfect. Not every lab is perfect. This is a pretty epic fail for this particular lab. Yeah, I think but maybe the just the size of it is the one that was just shocking. To but everybody. that's why it's so amazing, John, that they've come back and it's just everything's back to normal. They were. Yeah. To me, it's just like Major League Baseball. Yes, there's been a few more cancellations, but they've moved forward. And they have, you know, the, the Mets have come back. I think was it the Mets that, that they're, they're clear they're, now. They're clear to they're play. They're ready yes. to play. Yeah. And so they are just moving on. Every, I, I do like this idea of moving through the virus as opposed to reacting and running away from it. This if sure. that makes any sense. This 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 could be conspiracy theory-esque, but the reality of it is that baseball had false positives, it got out. The NFL has false positive, it's gotten out. They're not in a bubble. So maybe the information in the NBA and the NHL bubbles is staying in the bubble maybe they're having false positives and then they're just saying okay that guy's right across the street test him again okay we never need to say anything about this i'd like to be maybe. i'd like to be on the inside and know hey is this is this just the is it because and maybe it's because their testing systems are also inside the bubble so they're Could taking be. them very seriously they're not sending them out to another lab which baseball was, they can monitor them the Jeff. They can, is. they can control those a lot better if inside the bubble to your well, point yeah. but the thing is if there were, I will say this, Jeff. If there were false positives, uh, then you, I think you would see more guys 
having to sit out just because of the turnaround now to get a second test. And and we haven't seen that. that really. the, but but the way the NBA is testing is that they are they are able to have a test done and the same day get the guy in. So if they're doing their tests at eight o'clock in the morning, then they get a false positive. Theoretically, if they get it done by by noon for a seven o'clock game, the guy's back in They're They're giving us a blueprint, John sports is uh, of how to reopen as a society. And, uh, they are doing, I think, a great job doing it. They're doing a great job reacting to problems and to positives, actual positive tests. But the thing that we have to share as a society that we don't with sports right now is what Jeff just said, a turnaround test. Eight yeah. in the morning by noon, you, sure. you know if he's going to play or not. If we, if we have that around the country, yeah, we can go. We can open up. You and I actually may be offered a gig or two, and uh, we can. <laughs> no, no. I know. I know. I went we're high too far. risk. That was a bridge too far. There, we were high risk. They're looking at us, and all all directors <laughs> and managers Dude. look at you and I and see nothing but a ventilator right I, now. That's uh, all they can see. I think. I think with your hairdo today, John, your risk level went way down. I mean, you're looking fancy and and young. You look it's, healthy. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, my hair, my hair is, is, is developed a life of its own. Um, yeah, I just, you know, and again, you're, you're probably right. I, I think that I think, though, for, for all of us, when, you know, and worrying about testing and moving forward, the fact that a lab could have 77 false positive tests, I think, gives us all pause to think, well, well, crap, you know, yeah, we'd like to get back. Uh, into at least some semblance of normalcy. But as long as, and we've said it on this show from the beginning, as long as testing is a problem, it's going to be very difficult yeah. uh, to move forward. Uh, let's get the last set of clues for our progressive trivia. And then just it's a couple not more. Donovan McNabb, by the way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought that was too obvious with the Lido Shepherd and, uh, but uh, I wanted people to say Donovan McNabb, as as you know, you know our tricks. Well, that's why I skipped it the first time because I figured right. it wasn't it. But then I thought maybe you were using the double secret probation sort of thing on me, and you're like, ah, you know, he'll th- he'll think I won't do it, so I'll do it. He I'm knows that I know that he knows that I know that I know. So therefore, he'll I know that it. you know that I know. Uh-oh. It's not going to stop there, Bertie, either. All right. I'm very happy about how this is going. By the way, I haven't had this kind of success with progressive trivia in a long, long time, and my self-esteem is actually, you know, notching up to maybe four or five from negative 74. All right, here we go. On a scale of a 1,000. <laughs> All right, these are the revisiting the first eight clues. 90-plus wins, 35 game-winning drives. Led the league in touchdown percentage one year and pick sixes one year. He won a conference championship in college. Donovan McNabb won a conference championship in college, by the way. So did my played first with, guess, Michael Vick. Played with Terrell Owens and Lito Shepard. So did Michael Vick. Yep. We have him as a three-time Pro Bowler. He has thrown for 20-plus touchdowns in nine different seasons, which is a great statistic. Never been to a, never won a Super Bowl, I should say. We don't know if he's been to a Super Bowl. That still remains a mystery. Led the league in interceptions once. Next set of clues, final set of clues coming up right now. Played for two head coaches in eleven of my thirteen years. That's an odd. It's an odd. You know, it's an odd hint, but it's pretty fun. Two. This is uh, actual stats: two hundred ninety plus TDs, forty five thousand plus passing yards. So that's a very healthy career. Didn't play a snap in his rookie year in the NFL. Didn't play a snap. And I will say he's a Heisman Trophy winner, and he was a number one pick 
and didn't play a snap his rookie season. I've given a lot of clues out. Good luck with progressive trivia. Wow. Wow. I should, I feel bad. And so pay no attention to the Derek Carr guess, by the way, because I came in before all of the clues. Um, all right, but listen, we, we, we don't have a ton of time because, we, we, again, we're trying to keep this a little more succinct. So we're, we're Good gonna, job, Johnny. We're going we're gonna to talk about a couple of other things, but I do think we need to bring up uh, the Tom Brenneman situation um, uh, very quickly to discuss. Uh, uh, and I just want to get uh, your quick blush on this. Tom Brenneman, the longtime uh, announcer, Marty Brenneman, his father, was the voice of the Cincinnati Reds for, you know, years and years back, even before Mark was born, I believe. So it's, you know. Korean War stuff. Um, he was there for a very long time. Tom Brenneman has had an incredibly successful uh, career, and um, he uttered. Joe Connolly got it right, by the way. Oh, is that it? it okay. Well, there it is. Uh, we'll get we'll get to the answer in just a second. But I just want to ask you um, what he said uh, a disparaging uh, co- uh, word about LGBTQ people. Um, he dropped it in a work situation where he did not realize that he was actually on the air, but it was in a work situation. Um, I'm of the mind that he probably is not going to come back and do uh, very much moving forward. I, I think he's kind of dug himself a little bit too much of a, of a hole. W- what's your feeling on it? Where do you think, Brenneman, can he bounce back? Um, and let me just say, and it's not a funny issue. What he said was terrible. He should be ashamed of himself. And seemingly he is, or at least he says he is. Um, but the fact that he called a home run in the middle of his apology is no. still one of the funniest things. I mean, uh, it's the unintentionally Vin- funniest things I've ever seen. It's I, a Vince Scully kind of thing. It's a Vince Scully where he's talking about Howard Hughes on the on the dugout roof and also mentioning the batter and what's happening with Gil And Hardy. there he is, billionaire Howard Hughes. Oh, he's defecating on the roof of the Dodgers dugout. Boy, I tell you, that's a horrible thing to see. And, and Gil goes deep over the left field wall, and now Hughes is urinating on the fans in the front row. It, it, <laughs> I didn't Wow, that's what, a step up. What that I, is even worse, frankly, than the defecation on the dugout. I don't know why. What I what My I goodness. found funny about it is that the it was a terrible thing to say, but we all knew what city he was talking about after he said it, did we not? Well, we knew what city he was in. Oh, he was talking. And that's about what he's remarking. He was, he was remarking about the city that he was in. I think it was Kansas City. It was Kansas City, which uh, was surprising. To me. Yeah, I I don't think that's what he was talking about at all. I, yeah, I, he was actually. Oh, I think he really? was. Huh. Yeah, he was. Hmm. Yeah. So there it is, Jeff. All of your preconceived notions. Well, I got to be honest. About I did my have a hometown. Notion that he was talking about San Francisco. Of course. Well, you I w- you want to know you want to know what? Now I have a completely different feeling. He was wrong on all levels. He shouldn't have said it, and that is not a good way to explain uh, Kansas City. Oh, wow. but in, in any case, Mar- you, Mark. Not only is it a horrible, disparaging comment, but. Factually, factually incorrect. He right. certainly doesn't align with the stereotypes out there no, about cities in the all. United not States. Not at all. Uh, I, I don't, my feelings are this, John. It was something that he deserves to have uh, a timeout at the very worst. He needs to have these suspensions. He needs to go through the mea culpa that he, I think, is. I've, I saw the tape of him. I've read additional comments. I do think he's incredibly sorry. Now, there's always the percentage how much is he sorry? Is he sorry because he got caught? I think he is sorry that he got caught, but I think he is. It, it's like a mirror. It's like a, a, you know, a bucket of cold water in your face. You sometimes don't realize 
how ridiculously stupid your behavior is until something like this happens. I think he's caught in one of those things. So I think he should pay a price. I do. I don't think he should pay the ultimate. I was going to say the ultimate price. I don't think. <laughs> Lock him in with all those giant fans and burn it to the ground with I Brenneman think, and the rest of the animals. I don't. I don't think Tom Brenneman should be executed. I don't think he should uh, be fired for the rest of his life. That's just my personal opinion. I do think he should maybe sit out the rest of the season, maybe not do Fox Sports. And, you know, it's kind of like the Marv Albert thing a little bit. I mean, eventually kind of come back. Work his way back in. I I think he's going to have to do some work outside of that, though, because I I think for me. Oh, I agree with that as well. Was the uh, was the offhand manner in a work situation that that you'll drop that not being, you know, not being sure that it's just not your producer. You know, listen, we, we, we all admit you're sitting around with your boys. You say things that you wouldn't say. You know, your close friends that you wouldn't say in a work situation if you're just going for shock value or being uh, trying to be funny. Uh, but I think that just sort of uh, it, it made the idea when he said, you know, I'm not the type of guy to use that sort of language. Well, no, actually, we have evidence that you are exactly the type of guy to do that. So that's where the, uh, yeah, the that's the not who I am. It's like, huh? yeah, and I get where, you know, in that situation, the man must have been mortified. I, I don't yeah. I don't like to see people, uh, frankly, in, in those situations. It makes me uncomfortable knowing all the crap that I've done, much of which I've been caught for and, and other things I haven't. But um, but that's what made it seem a little uh, a, a little less than, than genuine. Um, whether it is or not, but I think he's going to have to do some work with people in the LGBTQ community. And I think he could be, because we've seen this before, he could be a great conduit for people in that community to talk about the toxic masculinity that this sort of thing comes from and how it not only is it morally reprehensible, it's bad business model. It is. Thank goodness. Finally. Yeah. I have a lot of, I have a lot of gay friends who are baseball fans. And, and they and were that, saddened as much as anything. Of course. And I think to your point, perhaps even a Michael Vick-esque comparison where yeah. he can he can be a real spokesperson for people that don't get how, you know, horrible and vile this stuff is. And uh, perhaps Brenneman can, you know, because he's this, you know, Midwestern guy, Midwestern white guy, Midwestern straight white guy, older, and he can talk to that crowd yeah. and, and just be honest about it. Uh, be be honest about how it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing to say. And you're right, John. I I thought his apology was pretty pretty good. And when he when he wrote later, I thought it was pretty good. But yes, I recoiled a little bit about that's not who I am. <laughs> I also recoiled a little bit about how proud he was of his faith. It's well, like, first of all, that's an oxymoron. You shouldn't be proud. Of your faith. Pride goeth before the fall. Exactly. Maybe that's you the sh- problem, Proudy. Proudy yeah. McProud a lot. <laughs> yeah, too much hubris. And I'm sure, you know, that's the thing. Those guys are full of it, as, yeah, as well, anyone who's highly successful is, as a rule. So I I ultimately I think he should be given the benefit of the doubt. And I think in your to your point, I, I would love for him to kind of be someone who's in there and really understands and and can kind of help, can kind of speak to other communities about it. Yeah, I think because- that would be great. And and I think he deserves to be to be given a second chance ultimately maybe not right away but maybe next year and beyond yeah and i just think and i think people like and i want your opinion as well jeff i think people like to see people i know i do i like to see somebody who's made a mistake admits the mistake 
improves on where they need to improve and then step back into into society and say, listen, again, and I know this is cliche, but it's not how you fall down or in his case, throw yourself to the ground. Uh, It's it's how you get up again and what you do, what you do following that. Yeah, I think that really, uh, I believe in justice reform. I think also we need some social justice reform. I think at this point, we have people that are that lose everything for a mistake they made. They cannot be redeemed, which is a lot of the problem that we have in our, our actual justice system. So I think we need to work in a little bit of social justice reform and say, listen, this guy made a mistake. He will never make that mistake again. If he makes another mistake, then obviously there's a pattern there, but you cannot... You can't you can't take a person who up to this person is up to this point has a stellar record, has no problems. They have one problem and then they're gone. That is not justice. That's not social justice. It's not justice. So I really do think he deserves another chance. And to use a John it's okay if he pays the penultimate. Uh, yes. Price. <laughs> but not the ultimate yeah. price. Perfect. It's <laughs> yeah. the penultimate price, not the ultimate price. Yeah, and I, I and I do. I I think I, I think it's not as it's not as easy as him sitting out the season and they bring him back next year and it's like, you know, it's a move on. I think it is one he's gonna have to do a little bit of a work for, and rightfully so, because I think I think it can be a discussion about toxic masculinity in, in, in work situations and inclusiveness. And again, what he's uh, you know, in in it in a in a at a time when the sport that he's broadcasting is struggling a bit financially because, you know, you, you're not going to have the fans. And what you're really going to want to do if you're baseball is when you can completely open up, you want to be the biggest tent possible and get the most people in your stadiums and the most people following your your teams. Um, uh, then I, I think he's he's also being presented with and they are being presented with the idea that this is a bad business model for people now just just to accept an apology for somebody in that in that respect. Mark, you're laughing at me because we're running over time. Aren't I'm not laughing at you at all. I'm laughing at Joe Connolly's comment that says, so the Astros are good then. No, not at all. Can't be Social forgiven. Justice be wise out, and no, actual want them out of the league. Criminal justice wise, they're good, right? Well, yeah, I want them out of the league. That's well, it. They're done. I feel- Flawless, spotless spotless marks before 2017 I'll say, I'll, I'll say i'll say this there are different punishments for different crimes and uh saying something when you thought your microphone was off that's offensive that's a that's a one-year sentence uh cheating to go to two world series in a row that gets you at least life with the ability for parole i mean the possibility wow. of parole is there <laughs> you're not getting you're not getting a life sentence or death so sentence. whose life uh jeff is it the oldest person in the astros organization no, the, or is it or is it a baby of one of the players it's the astros organization life. i told joe connelly this i said that i think they should move the astros to montreal I think that Houston should lose their team. They should move it to Montreal, a place that wants a team that lost their team because they had to pay the penalty of what's it? Has it been 20 years yet? Because I think 15 to 20 is a good penalty for not showing up to games as fans. So I feel like they've paid their price. So now they get the Astros until the Astros are ready for another team. So there's no evidence of the fans coming back in Montreal because there wasn't any evidence of them going to begin with. But but I might just have find been it been amazing that Jeff can here. be Jeff can be so reasonable in one sentence: criminal justice reform, social justice reform, hey. and in the very next sentence, advocate Houston leaving Houston. <laughs> you have to you have to look at me. I know this isn't good on a podcast, but you have to look at my face. If I have a big smirking grin on my face, I <laughs> no, am I definitely joking. <laughs> no, no, I see. Hilarious. I, I take it even further. Opinion. I don't think they should have a home. 
I think they should live in a bus for the entire season and just have to butt like an old, like 1940s Greyhound bus and have to travel back and forth like they're the the visiting team from uh, a league of their own. They have to like travel on the bus driven by the manager from stadium to stadium. They never play a home game for just like a decade. That's a good option. Or or they could go back to the Astrodome. Somehow poor Dusty Baker has to drive the bus. Yep. Yep. At, at least he's in the front of the bus, John. And you well, know, from Houston, you never know. Well, they may have to switch up when he hits uh, when he hits the Mason Dixon line, given the way things are going. All right, let's get the answer to our progressive trip before we get out of here. We ran longer than I wanted, but what the hell? There's a lot to talk about. We didn't even get to a bunch of stuff. Roger no. Goodell admitting he was wrong for God's I'm, sake. I'm looking forward to talking about that on Wednesday, as well as the NHL playoffs, among other. Fun topics, lots of sports coming up, and and we should have a we we should make our special announcement as well, John, about yes, the, we the will adjustment to after further review. You buried yet, the lead, but there we go. Yet another adjustment to after further review. All right, here we go. One more time, progressive trivia. Hey, give me First a sec. Give, give me a second here. I I had it queued up to just give the answer, but we'll go through the clues again. So I need one moment. I'm vamping. I'm All good. vamping. I'm All good. right, not a not a problem. We're good. First set of clues. He had 90-plus wins as a quarterback, 35 game-winning drives. He also led the league in touchdown percentages one year and pick sixes a separate year. He he won the conference championship game in college, and he played with Terrell Owens and Lito Shepard. That was, I was very happy when I found Lito Shepard in there because I knew we'd go to, to Philadelphia guesses. Florida Gator. Three-time Pro Bowler. Thrown for 20-plus touchdowns in nine different seasons. He never won a Super Bowl, never even got to a Super Bowl, led the league in interceptions once. Final set of clues, he played for two head coaches in 11 of his 13 years. That's Marvin Lewis and Bruce Arians for Arizona and uh, obviously Cincinnati. And they had two separate coaches in Oakland when he was there, Hugh Jackson and some other guy. <laughs> who's not Hugh Jackson. <laughs> some, a guy who's not Hugh Jackson. Anybody but Hugh Jackson. <laughs> 290-plus touchdowns, 45,000-plus passing yards. He didn't play a snap his rookie year. He's a number one draft pick. I did not remember that. Isn't that an amazing statistic? And that was 03. Jeff Blake? I think John Kitna or something. Here, Kitna, Kitna, Kitna. And he's a Heisman Trophy winner for the, uh, you know, University of Southern California Trojans. He is the great, I would have to say, Carson Palmer. Hell of a quarterback. Just boy, talk about not ever being in the right situation at the right time. You wonder if the Andy Dalton, and I have nothing against Andy Dalton, but you wonder if a couple of those Andy Dalton quarterback Bengals teams had had Carson Palmer instead, mm. if they would have gone further. So I know I you want know. to blame Marvin Lewis because that's your well, whole your whole thing is. is coaches are clams. I mean that honestly. Coaches that are clams, that should be your deep dive. Every week it should be this this week's clam. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that's, that's it. Maybe that's actually a, a good one. This week's I like that clam. <laughs> well, and again, I'm the one espousing the- all this positivity, you know, but once again, expose the, you know, dark underbelly of Mark Ferreira. I really just want to expose clams. You really do. This week's so that clam. people don't look at me and go, ah, ee. We could get a yeah. we we could get some sort of a, a an endorsement maybe Long John Silver's or some whatever whatever seafood <laughs> restaurant lobster. remains open after all this you know Red Lobster has, presents yeah. this week's clam I maybe just the whole state of Massachusetts aren't they known for their clams <laughs> there it is yeah this I'm week's a, chowder 
Uh, steam steam clams are yeah. That's my wife's a New Englander. So yeah, Carson Carson Palmer, um, a a great talent at quarterback. Yeah, and, and did they win a national that. championship with him? Or yeah. they did. Yeah, they and they beat. Um, Oklahoma, the Jason White quarterback, the yep. Oklahoma team at the Orange. I went to the uh, press day down there and actually interviewed. Uh, interviewed if I'm if I'm right, I could be wrong with that. He definitely won a pack a pack ten at the time championship. I'm pretty sure won, that that was the year that the they Heisman beat Oklahoma. Trophy. They yeah. beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. They beat them. Um, that was a good game. I mean, USC was on 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 top of their game at that point. Yeah, they were. All right, Mark. Uh, I'll let you tell everybody what our. Uh, what our big announcement is moving forward since you sort of mentioned it earlier. Well, folks, as you know, this is a work in progress after further review. We're doing everything we can to grow our audience. And part audience of that may is, not be growing. <laughs> part of part of it is to throw different strategies at the wall. Or so for Mark's pick. family to have more children. Brian, get at it. It's been been long enough. Need another kid. So with that in mind, we've decided to go back to three days a week because there's a lot of live sports going on. At one point in time, guys, in September, we're going to have all four sports live happening at once. I think that is outstanding. And golf majors at the same time. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah. It, it, it's really going to be crazy. I mean, from now on, we'll look at September as the greatest sports month ever. It's usually October or March. Maybe this year. It is going to be this year. And... Uh, so we're going to go back to three days a week, and we're going to uh, do our deep dives now once every other week. So it's going to be real, really special, supposed to, <laughs> as opposed to just this week's clam. Not, not that our eight deep dives thus far have not been special, but we're going to do once every other week, every other Friday. So we're not going to have a deep dive this week. Right. We'll have one next week. That'll be mine. That'll be John's, and then mine will follow two weeks after that. And in the meantime, three days a week podcast youtube live for after further review and, and sadly plenty of stuff to talk about on on wednesday as well john that we didn't even get to today that's right we want to talk about roger goodell's uh, admitting that he made they made mistakes with the colin kaepernick situation uh we can talk a little bit uh about moving forward into the playoffs you're talking about september and october mark will baseball have to bubble up for that um Fans and NFL games because teams are starting to at least put That's a forth, great topic. Uh, yep. what what they're uh, t- thinking of doing. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. Sadly, doing away with this Friday's deep dive means that there will not be a deep dive on the Springfield Boys Club 1972 Rough Riders eight year old football county champions. Um, I'd lined up an entire uh, list of guests to come on and talk about it, but uh, we'll shelve it. We'll shelve it yeah. for another time. We were just a little worried about doing one every week that eventually Marks would be. Mine's going to be week eight of the 1992 NFL season. Was there anything interesting? No, nah, I'm just going to go through the box scores because I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, then, let's see. And the Steelers took on the Panthers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this wow. was uh, Bobby Brister. Had a uh, any deep dive that has Bubby Brister in it, the nation turns. He the was dial. eight of thirteen for one hundred and thirteen yards, four interceptions. Of course, the <laughs> Panthers in nineteen ninety two doesn't work. Sorry about that. Of course, Bubby Brister played for seventeen years and made nine billion dollars as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, so here am I. You know, right? 
with right. no prospects, no money, no work. He's got a better. He's Making got a better fun of Bubby Brister somehow. He, he's got a better chance of working at the ESPN Wide World of Sports than you and I do. John, uh, I think oh, a, a much greater chance. But Are you uh, kidding me? Bubby Brister shows up there. Seventy-four-year-old Bubby Brister. Shows oh up my God! He'll hire him on the spot. He'd John, be the voice of the Braves if they were still there. Mark just tweeted that he's doing an even deeper dive on Jesse Owens. He's got x-rays. <laughs> Let's look at his skeletal structure, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Mark, uh, look, I know this is your fifth Jesse Owens deep dive, and the fact that you have locks of his hair and, and his x-rays and dental uh, impressions is, I mean, it's, I, I got to give you credit. I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked that you would go to that, that level and not sure financially where the Owens family sits at their <laughs> If they're selling you some of these things, even a we're, deeper dive. We're having into a problem. Jesse Owens. We're going to go to a soul on deep dive six. Jesse Owens. We're having a problem. Soul. We're having a problem with uh, Hitler's connection to uh, Zoom here. So <laughs> we're not going to be right. able to interview him. We're we going to hell for Hitler. Uh, are you there, Führer? <laughs> wow, that deep dive on that show. Damn, them boys. We sent out. we sent you an email leak link, Hitler from hell. Can you? Connect to us so we can be put you on the show and talk to us about Jesse Owens' soul. Come on, we know he's oh. either in the North Pole or Guatemala. He ended up in one of those two places. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Or he runs an Argentinian bakery. Still hanging around. All right. I, it's just this has gotten absurd, and, and, and we have to go. Uh, once again, everybody, thanks for listening. We will be back, as Mark said, on Wednesday because uh, there's just too much in the world of live sports to talk about so uh we'll we'll try to catch up on the nhl playoffs and touch more on the nba playoffs some other stories that we want to talk about as well thanks to everybody who watched us on youtube thanks to everybody for listening and we will talk to you again in a couple of days this has been after further review with mark ferreira john pelkey jeff taylor producing as always peace out do that right it's like i don't um struggle with things